Oh God, to get your word, oh God, hallelujah, to open up our understanding, Father God, in the name of Jesus, we ask you tonight, Lord, that you administer, oh God, to our hearts, let our hearts reach out to you, oh God, on tonight, in the name of Jesus, and Father, we just bless you, and we honor you, we magnify you, we exalt you, oh God, hallelujah, because you are the King of kings, and you are the Lord of lords, we put ourselves, oh God, in your hands, our life is in your hands, God, everything that we need, oh God, is in your hands, our times and our seasons, oh God, are in your hands. They've been appointed by you, and so we thank you. Hallelujah, mighty God. We give you glory and honor, oh God, in the name of Jesus. We thank you that tonight, God, that you'd open up our minds, open up our hearts. Hallelujah, God, in the name of Jesus. And as we open our Bibles, let the word of God get in our heart tonight. Let the word of God challenge us. Let the word of God strengthen us. Let the word of God encourage us, oh God, in the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you. We love, Lord God, we love you on tonight. We give you honor honor and praise tonight. Hallelujah for being in our midst, Father God, in the name of Jesus. We declare, God, and we decree tonight, God, even as your word goes forth, God, that healing would, would come forth, oh God, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, God. Let strength, oh God, be released as your word goes forth on tonight in the name of Jesus. And Father, we just bless and magnify your name. We give you glory. We, oh God, lift your name up tonight, God, in Jesus' name. Bless your people. Strengthen your people tonight, oh God, in the name of Jesus. You see everything that they stand in need of. God, we want to thank you, Lord, for how you've been keeping us, for how, oh God, you've been just covering us, oh God, and covering our children, covering our homes, and covering our loved ones, God. How, oh God, in the name of Jesus, while all the chaos is going on, you are yet, oh God, hallelujah, showing yourself, oh God, hallelujah, to be our keeper, to be our strength, to be our refuge, mighty God. And we just bless you on tonight, oh God, in the name of Jesus, for what you're doing in us. And Father, we ask you, oh God, tonight, even as we prepare to receive your word, we pray, God, for the states on tonight. Oh God, we pray for Georgia in the name of Jesus. We pray, God, for the leadership in Georgia. We pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, for your mercy. We understand, God, that the heart of the king is in your hand to turn it like channels of water. And God, we pray tonight, God, hallelujah, that even, oh God, hallelujah, God, as they're opening up their state, Father, we pray for mercy. We pray for grace. We pray, God, in the name of Jesus, God, that you will cause your people, oh God, even in Georgia, to humble themselves and pray. God, and even in the other states, in California, Lord God, in Louisiana, in New York, in New Jersey, Connecticut, Florida, North Carolina, South Carolina, we pray, God. God, for mercy in the name of Jesus. God, all of the continental states, we pray for them right now. God, we thank you, Lord. Hallelujah for how you're showing yourself mighty on our behalf. We thank you for hearing our prayer. But God, we yet pray, God, for your mercy. We yet pray, God, hallelujah, that you would turn our hearts to you. We yet pray, God, tonight, God, in the name of Jesus, that your bride, hallelujah, will purify herself. God, in the name of Jesus, that every leader, oh God, will purify themselves. Oh God, we pray for our government leaders that you would deal with their hearts, that you would give them ears to hear what your spirit is saying, mighty God, in the name of Jesus, that you will cause them, God, to yield, oh God, to you, hallelujah, God, in the name of Jesus, we bind up every hard heart, in the name of Jesus, we ask you to remove those stony hearts, give them hearts of flesh, God, hearts that can feel, hearts of compassion, heart of understanding, God, in the name of Jesus, for your glory, hallelujah, God, and we just bless you for it right now, we thank you, hallelujah, you already know, God, hallelujah, what we stand in need of. And God, we just give you glory and honor. We magnify your name, Jesus. 
We thank you for what you're going to do, oh God, even in our country, God, not just in our country, God, but even, oh God, hallelujah, in all the other countries, we pray for revival tonight. We pray for an outpouring, God, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We pray, God, that your spirit, oh God, would minister, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We pray, God, that you would touch, that you would speak, that you would give us ears to hear tonight, God, in the name of Jesus, that our God, our hearts would reach for you, not just here on this Bible study, God, but in every state, in every city, in every country. Let your voice be heard, oh God, in the name of Jesus. And Father, we just give you praise. And again, God, we thank you. Can we just give God glory tonight? Hallelujah. Can we magnify him tonight because he's worthy to be praised? He's worthy, hallelujah, to be exalted. He's worthy, hallelujah, to be lifted up on tonight. And we thank him tonight, hallelujah, because he's been so kind to us. He's been so loving to us. He's been so merciful to us. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. We bless your name, oh God, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your goodness, oh God, hallelujah, for your grace, mighty God, in the name of Jesus. We bless you, oh God, hallelujah, 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 God, in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, hallelujah, God. Oh, we bless your name, Jesus. Hallelujah, mighty God. We exalt you, oh God. Hallelujah. We thank you, God, that our coming together is not in vain. We bless you, Lord, that as we gather, God, that you're getting the glory. That as we're praying, God, you're dealing with our hearts. You're pulling down strongholds. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, God. You're bringing healing. You're bringing deliverance. You're releasing revival. Hallelujah. You're stirring our hearts, God. Hallelujah, God. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. That through all of this, we will never be the same. Hallelujah, God, in the name of Jesus. We bless you, oh God. Thank you, Lord, for the growth. Hallelujah, that you're causing your people to experience. Thank you for the pull. Hallelujah, that you're causing us to experience. Hallelujah. Thank you for the call. Hallelujah, that you're causing us to hear, oh God. Hallelujah, mighty God, in the name of Jesus. And we give you praise. Hallelujah. We magnify your name, God. Hallelujah. We exalt you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You're worthy, God. Touch your people, God. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. We magnify you. 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 Hallelujah. Nobody else is worthy of glory but our God. Hallelujah. Nobody else is worthy of thanksgiving but our God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And Father, we give you glory tonight. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah, God. We bless your name. We give you praise, oh God. Hallelujah, Jesus. We exalt your name, God. Hallelujah, God. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We magnify you, oh God, in the name of Jesus. We bless you, oh God. Hallelujah, God, in the name of Jesus, we honor your name. We give you praise. We give you praise. Hallelujah, God, your name alone is worthy of thanksgiving. Hallelujah. Worthy of praise. Worthy of honor. Worthy of glory. Worthy, God. Hallelujah, God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We bless your name. We bless your name. We bless your name. We bless your name. Hallelujah. Come on, give him glory. He's worthy to be praised. We bless your name. We bless your name. We bless your name. Hallelujah, God. We bless your name. Hallelujah, mighty God. In the name of Jesus, we bless your name. 
Hallelujah. We thank God. Hallelujah. On tonight. Hallelujah. For Bible study on tonight. Thank God. Amen. For his presence. Hallelujah. For his goodness. Hallelujah. God, in the name of Jesus, we just honor the Lord because he is so worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Amen. We're not going to, amen, hold things up. Amen. On tonight, we're going to go right into the word. Amen. And those that jump on, amen, they jump on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But we want to get this word on tonight. Amen. We are continuing our study. Amen. On a biblical worldview. Hallelujah. Amen. Making sure that we understand Hallelujah. Amen. The the proof that is in the scriptures that God is who he says he is. Hallelujah. Amen. And so we talked about, amen, uh, the claims that the Bible makes. Amen. And we went step by step proving what the word says, that what it, what the word says is true. And so we are looking at witnesses. Amen. The witnesses Hallelujah, because the Bible says that God will not leave himself without witness. And so we are going through the witnesses that we see, be it in the earth. Hallelujah. Amen. In the word. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. We are looking at those witnesses and verifying their uh, how they prove that God is who he says he is. We talked about the witness of the existence of the universe and how things operate in the universe. Amen. Hallelujah. And how, amen, scientific laws prove that the word of God is true and that, amen, what God declared before the foundation of the world, before the scientists discovered it, before it became, amen, a scientific law, we see it already in scripture. Amen. The second witness was the accuracy of the Bible. Amen. And we went through, amen, how the Bible, amen, has historical, geographical, amen, and scientific proof, amen, that it is the word of God. And the things that are mentioned in scripture, hallelujah, we find it also, amen, in archaeological studies, amen, hallelujah, glory to God, amen. Things that are mentioned in scripture, we see it, amen, hallelujah, amen, in history as well, praise the Lord. All right. And so then we talked about witness number three was the unity of of the Bible, how the word of God, amen, how we have 40 different writers, amen, hallelujah, and, and 66 different books written over a period of between 1,500 and 2,000 years, amen, from people from different walks of life, and it is still one consistent thought, one consistent message, amen, hallelujah, amen, and then we also talked, amen, last week about uh, the witness number four, which was fulfilled prophecy and how we see, amen, prophecy fulfilled the things that were spoken in scripture, things that God declared through the prophets, amen, hallelujah, we saw that it, is, it, has, it has been fulfilled and that is our proof, those fulfillments of prophecy, amen, how Jesus fulfilled those prophecies, amen, with his his life, his birth, his death, his, his burial, his resurrection. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so tonight we come to witness number five, which is the witness of miracles. We're going to talk about examples of miracles and the purpose of miracles and the evidence of miracles that have been 
performed. Amen. We all love, you know, to talk about miracles. We love, amen, reading. I know I do reading about stories, you know, I don't want to call them stories, but you know, things that have taken place in scripture that Jesus did, the miracles that he performed, as well as reading, amen, the histories of people like uh, uh, the early ministry of Oral Roberts, not the latter ministry, but the early ministry of Oral Roberts when he operated in min- in uh, miracles and, and uh, people like Smith Wigglesworth and Catherine Kuhlman and, you know, those of those like A.A. Allen and all of those. And so, um, you know, we look at those things and then we think that that's far, far away, you know, but the, there was a purpose to God releasing his power in the magnitude that he released his power. So let's talk about the examples of uh, miracles. OK, somebody's playing music. Praise the Lord. All right. So a miracle, let's talk about what a miracle is. A miracle, according to the scripture, is not just an unusual event. Okay. Um, And an event is not just a miracle just because it's something that God did. Everything is not classified as a miracle. And a, a miracle is an event that is impossible by natural law. There's no other way it could have occurred. It's unexplainable. You can't map it out. You know what I'm saying? It is impossible by natural law, but it, but it's brought to pass by the supernatural power of God. God brings these things to pass by his supernatural power. There's no other way. It couldn't have been done by taking a pill. It couldn't have been done by taking, you know what I'm saying? By, uh, 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 surgery. You know what I'm saying? The miracle is that it defies natural law. There's something in that component that makes it impossible. And that is how we classify something as a miracle. Okay. And it's brought to pass. It comes to fruition by the supernatural power of God. So I want to look at a couple of verses of scripture. Amen. So that we can look at some miraculous events that took place in the Bible. Let's look real quick at John chapter 11. <clears throat> John 11. We're going to look at John chapter 11. And we're going to look at starting verse 38. We want to look at some of the miracles. And I think that especially in the climate that we live in, hallelujah, right now, I mean, this is the stuff that makes me excited. You know what I'm saying? Because we see God, amen, as we're looking in the scripture and, and as we're looking at the definition of what a miracle is, we have seen God Amen. Recently, where the doctors is like, I don't know what we can do. Nothing we can do about it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, and even when um sister was, she posted her, uh, her testimony on today. Amen. For her and her family. Listen to me. When, when the doctors give up, listen to me. God steps in and we just thank God for his miracle working power. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So, amen. John chapter 11. And we're going to start at verse 38, verse 38 through verse 44. Who got that and want to read it? John 11, verses 38 through 44. I got it. Okay, come on, let's read. Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone laid unto it. Jesus said, Take me away, but stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead for. 
Mm-hmm. Jesus said unto her, Say I not unto thee that if thou would, wouldest, wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then they take away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou heardest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I say it, that they may believe it that thou hast sent me. And when he thus and when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he Oh sorry. Oh my gosh. That's okay. Sorry. That's okay. Go ahead. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. Amen. So we see here in this verse, right, that Jesus performed a miracle. And the miracle, of course, was what? Right, Lazarus being being resurrected from the dead. And so, remember, again, these are things that are an impossibility. Let's look at the climate. Let's look at the circumstances. It's not just that Lazarus was dead, but the scripture says, scripture says, verse 39, Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he's thinking, for he have been dead. How long? Four days. Four days. And I'm not going to get into what the Jewish thought was. You know what I'm saying? You know, but it was a miracle and God allowed that. We might as well just dig into that for a second because that's what makes it a greater miracle. You have people, you had two sects, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. You had some who believed in resurrection and some who did not believe in resurrection. And those who believed in resurrection did not. They thought that the soul of man lingered for three days. So Jesus had to wait until after they passed that third day so that he could prove to them that he was God. Listen to me. God knows how to prove to us what's him and what's not him. God knows how. Amen. That even if our own philosophies that we have, uh, you know what I'm saying? The things that we believe in ourselves. Hallelujah. He knows how to show us. Oh, so you think you're smart? Oh, so you think you know it? Okay, I'm going to wait. Because if I did it within that three-day period, then you would say, oh, well, his soul was still there anyway. So, you know, we, that's no big deal. But the fact that he waited till after he knew that they thought that he was gone, gone. <laughs> okay? And that his body started decomposing. Let me tell you something. If you ain't never smelled a decomposing body, Okay, listen to me. That's not a good smell. That's not a good smell at all. Okay, and so I'm telling you, this right here, Jesus purposely, purposely confronted their own philosophies in him performing this miracle. And again, we said this in the beginning that, you know what I'm saying, that miracles have a specific purpose okay this wasn't just so that he could say you know what i'm saying i'm a miracle worker come on the bible says 
The Bible says when you read down in verse 42, he said, and I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it that they may believe that thou hast sent me. God had, he was proving himself to the people through the miracle that Jesus performed and through the words that he spoke. Amen. When the miracle was performed. All right, let's look real quick at Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. Some of this stuff that people try to classify as miracles, you know what I'm saying, wouldn't pass, excuse me, wouldn't pass the litmus test. Okay? We're not talking about, we're not talking about I took a Tylenol and my headache went away. It, that ain't no miracle. Okay? All right? We're talking about impossible situations that were, that are humanly impossible and supernaturally impossible unless God intervenes. Hallelujah. Amen. So, Matthew chapter 11. Did I say, oh, sorry, 14. Read Matthew 11 in your own time. Praise the Lord. Matthew 14. <laughs> and we're going to start at verse 22. Hallelujah. This is one of my favorite, my favorite verses here. Glory to God. Amen. Let's read verses 22 through 33. Who's got that? Somebody read that. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed why he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. Okay. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. <coughs> when he saw the wind, he was afraid. <coughs> and Beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Hallelujah. All right, so let's look at let's look at some of the circumstances here, okay? So Here's Jesus went away, amen, to, to separate himself, to go pray, amen. And in the evening, he was there by himself. He sent the multitudes away, okay? Verse 26. Notice, look at verse 25. We see in the verse prior to that, that the ship is in the midst of a storm, okay? Verse 25 says, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea they were troubled saying it is a spirit and they cried out for fear so now we don't know exactly at what point in the fourth watch this was so if you're in the middle of a storm the fourth watch is between 3 a.m and 6 a.m so it's between three o'clock in the morning and six o'clock in the morning that's the fourth watch so the sun could have been on its way up 
or it could have been pitch black dark in the middle of the sea. Anybody ever been on a cruise and you see what it looks like at night? There ain't no street lights. Okay? So you don't have no you don't have no lights. And this they wasn't on one of these modern cruise liners that had uh lights attached to it. Was no electricity back then, people of God. <laughs> So it's pitch black in the middle of the sea. The wind is blowing. The waves are tossing the boat around. Okay? The rain is coming down. And they're scared out of their wits. In their heads, they're like, we're going to die here. For sure, we're going to die here. And then to top it off, they look out in the dark. So that if they were able to see Jesus, this tells us that there had to be glory surrounding him for them to see him out there walking on the water. Y'all following me? Yes. Come on. He had to be out there. So he his glory had to shine round about him. That had to scare the daylights and the nightlights out of them. <laughs> That's why they was like, hold up. Uh-uh. The scripture says that when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. They was like, this a ghost. <laughs> what is that? Come on here. The scripture said they were troubled. Sidebar, that's why I got a problem with all these people talking about they seeing angels. You ain't seen no angel. And you talking about, I saw the Lord. I saw, and you ain't seen, and you had your full composure. Like, your, your full composure? Listen to me. Every instance in scripture where somebody saw an angel or had some kind of encounter with God, they fell as dead men. They fell on their faces. They was troubled. Listen, they knew they was encountering something that was otherworldly. So we see several miracles taking place right here. Not just that Jesus was walking on the water, but the fact that, amen, that, you know what I'm saying, that he was presenting himself to them, hallelujah, in the middle of nothing, and they were able to recognize him. Okay, so the scripture says, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. They was like, ah! <laughs> Y'all know how we do. You ever anybody ever scared you before? <laughs> Y'all know how you act if somebody walk up on you and scare you? You cut the fool. There was you now they don't they didn't back then they couldn't plead the blood. I don't know what they were saying. But I know how we do. We be like the blood of Jesus. <laughs> They was probably binding devils and everything else. <laughs> because they were screaming out in fear. And verse 27 says, But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. Calm down. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. So we see another miracle. Here's Jesus walking on the water himself. And then Peter's like, you okay? If that's you, let me come out there too. Come on. <laughs> come on now. Come on, Jesus. Amen. If this is you, let me get out here. If this is for real, and come on, somebody pinch me. Is this, is this really happening? If this is for real, Jesus, let me. Bid me to come out there. 
Can I come out there with you, Jesus? <laughs> And he said, come. And when Peter was come out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Look, here's Jesus. So miracle, Jesus walking on the water. Peter walked out with him. And the other miracle is that Jesus caught him when he fell down. How did Jesus lift him back up? Because he what 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 was water, what was not firm ground was firm ground for, for our God, for our Savior. And he was able to reach down and save Peter. So Jesus walking on the water, Paul walking, I mean Peter walking out with him. And then when Jesus saved him, that was yet another miracle. Okay. As we look in the scripture. So we look in the scripture and we see these miracles. We, when you read in uh, Matthew 14, in the same chapter, you go to verses 14 through 21. We see where Jesus fed the, the, uh, the 5,000. Okay. Verses 14 through 21, he fed 5,000. So we see the miracle of the fishes and the loaves. You have all kinds of, uh, we have so many miracles that have been recorded in scripture with Jesus. He instantaneously, not, we're going to pray for you and then you're going to go home and the next week you'll feel something. But instantaneously, and completely healed all kinds of diseases, including leprosy, blindness, deafness, people who were lame, people who had withered hands. And we find it all throughout scripture, these witnesses that were attesting to the power of God. Okay. You see all those through all throughout the Gospels. You see miracles that that the, that the apostles perform all throughout the book of Acts. Okay, so let's go look at John real quick because we want to talk about what is the purpose of a miracle. What is the purpose? John chapter 5. We're going to go to John chapter 5 and we're going to look at the purpose of Miracles is not just for us to shout. If God performs a miracle, now we see Jesus talking back there in in uh in the book of uh Matthew. In Matthew, uh excuse me, in the book of um John, where he raised Lazarus, that Jesus was doing what he did so that they would believe. And he said what he said in order for them to believe. So Write that down in your notes. But we're going to look at the purpose of miracles. John chapter 5 and verse 36. Somebody read that. 5 and 36. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the very good. And so when you read in the King James, it says, I have a greater witness. Because remember, we're talking about witness. 
That, that word testimony is the same as witness. Remember, we talked in the beginning when we first started, amen, in our first few lessons, we talked about what a witness does. What's the purpose of a witness and why, you know what I'm saying, it's important for us to have a witness. This is, we, we're putting, we're putting the scripture and we're putting, amen, God on trial and we're letting his, the witnesses attest to his glory. The witnesses are attesting and testifying to the accuracy of the word of God and the proof that God is God and that everything that he have declared from Genesis to Revelation, that it is the word of God and it is accurate testimony and there is no lie in his word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so he says, but I have greater witness than that of John for the works which the father have given to me to finish the same works that I do bear witness. Hallelujah. They testify of me that the father have sent me. So what is the purpose of miracles? Okay. What, what Jesus is saying that his works and the things that he did proved something. There's a proof. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. What did it prove? It proved, number one, that the father has sent him. He wasn't no magician. He wasn't, you know what I'm saying? This ain't no rub the genie bottle. Come on. This was, amen, a witness that the father had sent him. This was the proof that he was the son of God and is the son of God. So, and we find in other portions of scripture, amen, where... He said, if you don't believe me for the word sake, believe me for my works. Come on. Watch the works that are being, that are testifying and that are speaking. If you can't believe what I'm telling you, believe what you see. Believe what I'm showing you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's look real quick in um, Acts chapter 14. Acts, the 14th chapter. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 14. We're going to look at verse 3. Amen. And I'll read that for you. Acts 14 and verse 3. So we see, amen, in the previous verse, amen, what we read in John 5 and 36, that the miracles proved that God had sent him. Verse 3 says, long time therefore abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony or witness unto the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by his hands. Now, when you go back up, let's look at, let's look at, let's go back to verse one so that we can see what the, what the tone is here and what's going on here. Verse one says, and it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into a synagogue, into the synagogue of the Jews. And so spake that a and so spake that a great multitude, both of Jews and also of Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. Long time therefore abode they, speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Listen to me. Now, let me tell you something. This right here, this is a sidebar. We talk about these miracles, but let me give you this as a sidebar here. Here's a thought. When people don't receive us, 
Nowadays, the nature to, of some people is to fight them. Oh, you just, you just a devil. Oh, you just don't want to believe. Oh, you, oh, oh. You know, and we want to be argumentative. The scripture says that when they encountered unbelievers and when those unbelieving Jews stirred up other Gentiles, what did the people of God do? They stayed in their place and kept preaching. Come on here, somebody. They stayed in their place and kept preaching. And as they obeyed God, they spoke boldly in the Lord and that boldness that they were speaking with, amen, gave testimony or witness that the Lord, amen, gave witness of God's grace that was upon them and God gave them signs and wonders, amen, that were done by their hands. That's a serious situation right there. Can we keep preaching till God show up? And not be moved because somebody don't receive you or people are talking about you. Mm-hmm. Come on, amen. So what was the purpose? What was the purpose of those miracles being done? Come on. They proved that God was speaking through them. It was the proof. Hallelujah. He was saying, listen, if you don't want to listen to the message, come on, watch the fruit. Come on here. Okay, people back then especially needed a way so that they could distinguish the difference between false preachers and false teachers. And that was the purpose of miracles. And it still is the purpose of miracles that they confirm the word. Let's look what Mark 16 and 20 says real quick, because I don't want to just quote it to you. I want to read it to you. Mark 16 and 20. Hallelujah. Verse 20 says, and they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following the signs came as confirmation. Hallelujah. That God was with them. Listen to me. Powerless ministry says something about us. Powerless ministry says something about us hallelujah and i ain't talking about making people shout either come on here somebody so here you have it if people are have claimed to be directed by god then they could do the works that would occur only because god was with them okay and this will show that god was with them and people would believe that god was with them because the works that followed them. They had a powerful message, but they had the works that backed them up. You see that in Hebrews chapter two, chapter two, verses three and four. Acts chapter two, verse twenty-two. John twenty, verses thirty and thirty-one. Second Corinthians twelve and twelve. I'll give you those verses again. Hebrews two, verses three and four. Acts chapter 2, verse 22, John 20, verses 30 and 31, and 2 Corinthians 12 and 12. Let's get back to that. God, send your power to confirm your word. That's the kind of prayers we need to pray and not be praying that everybody shout. We have church. Come on here, somebody. Especially... One you gave us. Second Corinthians 12 and 12. 
Okay. So here we, so we just, we just realized, so we had examples of miracles and then we just talked about the purpose of miracles. Now let's talk about the evidence of the miracles. Okay. So Jesus and his apostles, um, you know what I'm saying? They're not personally in our presence right now. How can we reach a verdict? Because remember, we, everything's on trial. How can we reach a verdict about whether or not miracles are really were really performed? So we got to call the witnesses, right? Come on. So the Bible gives us testimony from many eyewitnesses that confirmed that the miracles occurred. Now, I gave y'all some verses. Let's go look at John chapter 2. I mean, John chapter 20. Let's look at John 20. Amen. And we're going to look at verses 30 and 31. John 20 verses 30 and 31. We have witnesses that can attest that the miracles took place. Okay? Somebody read John 20, verses 30 and 31. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Amen. So... We see those as, as example and and we already know because we up to this point, we have already proved that the word of God, the Bible is already been proven to be historically trustworthy up to this point. We proved it by looking at the universe. We proved it by looking at history and geography and science. Hallelujah. So up to this point, we have already proven that God's word is trustworthy. Haven't we? By looking at those witnesses. Amen. So now. So now we see. So now we see that. The purpose. And the evidence of the miracles. That we have is the fact that. That it is. They are written in the scrolls. They are written in the books. Hallelujah. Okay. Even the enemies. Of the gospel testified that Jesus and his apostles did miracles. Let's look at the book of Acts chapter 4. Listen, you can't deny when you see something is God. <clears throat> Acts chapter 4. Verse 16. Okay, we try to shut you down, but let's look at this. They try, they try to shut the people, shut the apostles down. The scripture says, verse 16, saying, what shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. <laughs> Here is Peter and John being brought before the Jewish leaders. And they wanted to dispute what was happening? But even they as the enemies could not deny that a miracle had been done. We may not agree with what you preach, but we can't deny with what we see. Come on here, somebody. We can't deny that a miracle has taken place. Even though we your enemy, we have to say it. We cannot deny that a notable and everybody sees it. Hallelujah. Everybody sees it. Glory to God. Amen. So 
What did they say to Peter and John? When when they had performed this miracle, listen, we can't deny it. Nothing we can do about it. What are we going to do with them? And they said to him in verse 17, but that it spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, you judge it yourself. <laughs> You tell us whether we should listen to you or listen to God. And let me say as a sidebar, this stay at home order is not, it don't have nothing to do with this. Come on, don't let them use it. Okay, because, because they're not telling us that we can't go out and speak in the name of Jesus. They're not telling us, amen, hallelujah, glory to God, that we can't teach in the name of Jesus. To speak or teach, they're not giving us that command. They just said stay home and be safe. I'm, we can still speak the name of Jesus right here. Ain't we talking about Jesus right here? Yes. Come on. We still speak in his name. So that throws that lying foolishness out the window. Okay. Let's look real quick. We're going to go backwards for a second and go back to John chapter 11. We are still establishing, amen, the fact that evidence is apparent for the, for the miracles that took place. John chapter 11. Hallelujah. Amen. In verse 47, John 11 and 47. Amen. Somebody read that. 11 and 47. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we? Question mark. For this man doeth many miracles. Right, they were asking the question. What do we, what we gonna do? They said, what we gonna do? This man has done many miracles. What are we gonna do? What are we going to do about this? Okay, I wanna make sure I got this right here. Okay, good. Okay, listen, it don't matter if it's friend or foe, okay? No one, anybody who saw the works that Jesus did, anybody who saw the works that the apostles did, they could not deny that miracles were done. They might hate it, but they can't deny it. Okay? Their testimony becomes evidence. Okay? And we can base our faith even on the evidence of their testimony. We can pass the judgment that God's word is true and that every miracle that, amen, that has been claimed has come to pass and it has happened. It really did happen. Miracles are God's stamp of approval on the teaching of Jesus and what we have been preaching, that it is it is God's work, that it is him that is showing up. So all of these witnesses are testifying that there is a God who possesses supernatural power. So since we see these miracles, right? They had to be the deduction that we come to. The conclusion that we come to is that they had to be guided by God's supernatural power. What other excuse is it? What, what, where did this power come from? Come on. And since Jesus did miracles, 
His claims that he's the son of God have to be valid. You can't deny it. Because the witness of the miracles speak that he is the son of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That right there is so much. And so, Lord have mercy. We can't deny it. Hallelujah. Amen. So, that's the witness of miracles. Let's look at witness number six. Let's see, can we get through this tonight? Hallelujah. Did anybody have any questions? Comments? Or, hallelujah. Number six, the witness... Uh, no, the sixth witness, witness number six is the resurrection. We just come through Resurrection Sunday. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's look at Romans chapter one. Romans one. Romans, the first chapter. Verse 14. No, I'm sorry. Verse four. Romans one and four. <coughs> Excuse me. Romans 1 and 4, and it says, and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. The resurrection. Now we want to talk about what the resurrection is. The, the Bible says that the that the resurrection declared Jesus's resurrection was a declaration. What 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 did he declare by his resurrection? What did he declare by his resurrection? It's in the verse. What does it say? That he's the son of God. That he's the son of God. Hallelujah. That he's the son of God. The resurrection is a testimony and makes a declaration that Jesus is the son of God by the resurrection from the dead. Hallelujah. The resurrection is God's proof that Jesus is his son. And it is the greatest of all the miracles. That if we accepted all the other biblical miracles are easy. Listen, him raising Lazarus is easy. Him, him healing the centurion servant is easy. Him feeding the 5,000 is easy. Because we understand he got up. Conquering death is a bigger deal than opening a blinded eye. Come on here, somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. So, but if we reject the resurrection, then the other miracles are not going to matter to us. We're not, if we don't, if we don't accept the witness of resurrection, listen to me, listen to me on, on the testimony, amen. And the work that Jesus did in his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection on that hinges our salvation. So if we if we can't believe that Jesus was risen from the dead, how can we believe that we are saved? How can we believe that he's coming back again? How can we believe that there's a life after this life if we don't believe the testimony of his resurrection? Come on here, somebody. Hallelujah. So this is a fundamental belief that we've got to understand. Amen. That this witness. Is the greatest witness of all the witnesses. Because this is the greatest miracle that was done. Okay. All right. So let's talk about the facts surrounding Jesus's death. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 
1 Corinthians 15th chapter. 1 Corinthians 15. Facts that surround Jesus' death. And we want to look at verse 3 through 8. Can I get a reader? <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Excuse me, verses 3 through 8. Let's get a reader. Come on, don't all shout me down. Hallelujah. Well, I deliver unto you first of all that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the scripture, and that he was seen uh Cephas, 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 which is Peter. That's Peter's name. Go ahead. He was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above five hundred brethren <coughs> at once, of all whom, of excuse me, of whom the greater greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and at last of all he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. Okay, so here is the here is Paul, right? He's writing, and he's talking about Jesus's resurrection. So he said, I've delivered to you, first of all, that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture, that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day. He rose again on the third day, according to the scripture. So he's establishing the basis of Jesus's resurrection. And then he gives us the proof that he was buried and he rose again on the third day, right? According to the scriptures. Now we say what the Bible says. He's telling them what the Bible says. Then he's giving them proof after that. Okay, he's establishing the scripture. The Bible said this was going to happen, but here's our proof that it actually happened. Okay, he said he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. Remember, we were reading about that. Uh, we always read about that, especially when we start talking about Resurrection Sunday, and we talked about you know uh, uh, the interactions that his first interactions that that he had that jesus had when he rose from the dead okay after that he was seen of above 500 brethren at once he was seen by a crowd of folks and they documented it of whom the greater part remained unto this present but some are falling asleep so what he's saying is some of the people who saw jesus at this writing when this was being written some of them died by the time this was written but some of them are still alive. You can go ask them if they saw Jesus. Because some of them folks are still alive at the at that writing when Paul was writing this. So that's what that means when he said some are falling asleep. Most of them were still alive by the time he wrote this. Oh, okay. And then verse 7 says, after that he was seen of James and then of all of the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. He's talking about his 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 uh encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, when Jesus presented himself and amen and appeared to him. Okay. Now let's skip down to verse 18, right? 
<laughs> Let's skip down to verses 18 through 20. <coughs> Excuse me. And those verses say, Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perish. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we of all we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Now it's important that we read this, okay? That we understand, and we were just establishing that that this witness of the resurrection is the greatest miracle and the greatest witness because on this hinges our salvation. And this is what Paul is saying. He is saying to them, listen, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead and if all of these witnesses are false, then guess what? Our faith is in vain. Come on. Hallelujah. He said, then also we, uh, then also they which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. Those who, who died, there's no hope for them. If Jesus didn't really get up, there's no hope for them. Okay, somebody ringing. Praise the Lord. <coughs> okay. <coughs> and he says, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of of them that slept. So in other words, he was first partaker of the resurrection. Okay? First partaker of the resurrection. Okay, so now let's go back and look at verses 3 and 4. Okay? And I want you to answer the question. I need you to list in historical order Three facts that Paul preached in order, in order, in verses three and four. Go back and look at verses three and four and list in historical order three facts Paul preached about concerning Jesus and his resurrection. It's in order. Let's, let me put it this way. What does the scripture say? Read verse 3. <laughs> and I died for our sins. And then um, um, Cephas or um, Peter saw him. No, no, no. You're skipping. You're skipping. That's verse 5. I need verses 3 and 4. So number 1. Number 1 is that Jesus died. Right? For our sins. According to the scriptures, right? And then the next one is what? He was, he was, he was, he rose again. you can't get to his resurrection without burial. So he was buried. <laughs> right. So that's, those are facts. Okay. That's the order. He said, Jesus, he said, Jesus died for our sins. He was buried and he rose on the third day. Okay. Now. Let's look at, I'm not, well, I gave y'all the verses already. How many times did Jesus appear to people after his resurrection? What does the scripture say? How many times Jesus appeared to people after his resurrection? Oh, hold on. Okay. According to the list, just according to this list, not how many people he appeared to, but how many 
How many times did he appear? Okay, Okay, break it down. Tell me how, where are they? Show it to me in the scripture. Uh huh. Wait a minute, you're breaking up. I can't hear you. Okay, then to the 12. Go ahead. Uh huh. Uh huh. And then James. Uh huh. And then to the rest of the apostles. Uh huh. And then the next time to him, to Paul. So how many times is that? Six. Six. There are at least six appearances that are listed there in the scripture. About how many times Jesus appeared after his resurrection. Come on here. What you going to do with that? What, what, what you going to do with that? He appeared at least six times. Okay. When you read the gospels, all the gospels accounts confirm these facts. Okay. Now, remember, we already established that the Bible is historically trustworthy. And everybody that... The witnesses that we've heard from, they all conceded that that the events that, that took place are true, right? Okay, so all the gospel accounts confirm these facts concerning Jesus's life, his death, amen, and his resurrection. So we're talking about the facts surrounding Jesus's death. Number one, Jesus was beaten. He was nailed to the cross and pierced by a spear. We see that in all the gospels. We see that Roman soldiers examined his body to make sure that he was dead. His dis number three, his disciples prepared his body for burial and placed it in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. Remember, Joseph was a rich man. He gave his tomb for Jesus to be buried in. Number four, the Jews sealed the tomb and placed the soldiers to guard over it. All the gospels. Confirm this. On the third day afterward, his body was gone. Okay, number five. I, the, the, after the third day, his body was gone. Number six. Many people claimed that they had seen Jesus alive. Number seven. The disciples began to preach that his resurrection proved that he is indeed the Christ. And we see that in Acts chapter one and verse three. <clears throat> and also in chapter two. <clears throat> so any explanation offered for any of these events must account for all the facts. Okay. All right. And so especially the one thing is that they have to explain the empty tomb. You got to tell me if you say that Jesus didn't rise from the dead, give me an explanation for why his tomb was empty. When the Jews made sure that the tomb was sealed shut, how'd they get, how'd the body get out? How'd he get out? The soldiers was guarding it. How'd he get out? Come on. 
It's one thing. It's one thing if you just saying, you know, it was an open cave and he just got up out the cave or somebody came in and stole his body because the cave, but the cave was sealed. And the soldiers were guarding it. So explain to me what happened and how did the empty tomb become an empty tomb? And then you have to argue the eyewitness testimonies to those who saw him alive. Because we just read in 1 Corinthians that he appeared to at least he appeared to at least six different groups of people. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. And it's all throughout Matthew, it's all throughout Mark, it's all throughout Luke, it's all throughout the book of John, the gospel of John, and it's also in the book of Acts. And then we hear, we see this in 1 Corinthians where Paul is given the breakdown. So how do you explain the witnesses and how do you explain the empty two? So let's look at some of the claims really quickly and then we're going to get ready to close. Some of the claims for possible explanations for this evidence. Because we want to we look at all sides. Because remember, we're looking at testimony, right? We already established that the word of God is historically accurate. Scientifically accurate. Okay? Geographically accurate. We have already established that. But let's look at some of the explanations that people try to use for why the, why, you know what I'm saying, the tomb was empty. You know what I'm saying? Or oh, for some of the evidence. Okay? So, number one, the theory that the disciples stole the body. This is one of the things that they tried to say. They, they tried to say that the soldiers were paid, right? The soldiers were paid to say that the, the disciples stole the body. Let's go back to Matthew 28. Don't you love, don't you love that even in the scripture, we're not just seeing the good, but we're seeing all, all sides of the whole thing. Okay. That God is exposing even the claims of the liars. Come on here, somebody. In his defense, as we're looking at the testimony, hallelujah, we got people testifying for and against our God. But we're going to prove. That God's word is true, as we have already done. Matthew chapter 28. Let's look at verses 11 through 15. Somebody read that. Verses 11 through 15. Matthew 28, verses 11 through 15. Amen. Apostle Celia, come on, read that. Matthew 28, verses 11 through 15. You got it? Okay, no, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it if you don't have it. I'll read it. I'll read it. Listen to me, Linda. Hear the story. 
Let me read it again because her phone was breaking up a little bit. So I'm going to read it again. Thank you for reading that. It says, now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came unto the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. They came and told him, look, Jesus' body is not in that tomb. We got to fix this story because we about to have pandemonium in this city. Because what he said that was going to happen, it happened. And his disciples got wind of this. We are going to have to fix this story. So the prosecution paid off lying witnesses. <laughs> and verse 12 says, and when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers saying, say ye. His disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. If the governor finds out that that Jesus' body is not in this tomb, don't worry. We got you. We're going to cover you because we know this is going to be a big deal. We're going to cover you. Don't worry about it. We're going to lie. That's what he's saying. That's exactly what he's saying. He said, we're going to lie. And cover things, cover you. Come on. He said, we're going to tell them that, that it was okay. This is what happened. We'll make up a story. And he said, so they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews today. Ask any Jew today. And they will say to you that, that Jesus never rose from the dead. Come on. Really? Yes, they don't they don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah unless they are Messianic Jews. Messianic Jews believe that Jesus is the Messiah. But Orthodox Jews do not believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Right. Okay? So Say that again. Not just the Jews, but unbelievers. Absolutely. Because they, how, how do you explain it? Like either a miracle really happened or y'all set this up. What, what happened? And it's easier, for, it's easier for the mind to grasp that they stole his body than to say but, he actually got up. But, I mean, at the end of the day, how can they, I mean, you know, you say that they stole his body, but he did what with it? He wasn't open. The garden, yeah. So like, how would they steal his body? Like, and then what with it? What's their explanation? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get in there. And and let's get this. Let's let, understand this. How? What's the word I want to use? How inaccurate this would have to be because Jesus, while he was alive, kept the law. Remember, he was raised Jewish, right? Uh -huh. So there are laws governing, handling the dead. The uh -huh. disciples, those, uh, most of the disciples were also followers of the law. So there are laws governing, handling the dead. So if they were to touch a dead body, they would be unclean. So... Who's go who's going into the graveyard to go take a dead body out to try to prove something? They was too distraught. Remember? 
When we read in, in the book of book of Acts, we find that they was locked up in the room. When we read in the Gospels before Jesus appeared to them, when he came into the house, they was all in there for fear. Because they trying to figure out what we're going to do. What 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 we're going to do? What we're going to do? And that's where that's where what we just read in 1 Corinthians 15, that's where that comes in where that appearance where he appeared to James and to the 12. To the other apostles or to, to first because remember he appeared to Peter and John while they was walking on the road. Right. Then he appeared to the disciples. Yeah. Okay, and then there is when he appeared to James and then he appeared again to the to when they were locked up in the room, Jesus walked through the wall, child, and came into the room. <laughs> Scared the daylights out of them again. So, so then, go ahead. At the end of the day, how do you not believe that he is Christ if he walked through the walls come into you? How is he going to walk through the wall if he's not? Like, how did he get in the house? The door was locked. Right. So he came out of the tomb that was sealed and got into the house that was locked. Somebody right. explain that. So he, walked the, he walked through the boulder. Right. Listen, the Bible says that the angel of the Lord, hallelujah, appeared to them. Amen. And, and rolled the stone away. Hallelujah. Amen. And Jesus came out in all power. Hallelujah. We see that account in the Gospels. Okay. And so... What we see here is that the soldiers were paid to lie, right? But you got to consider this. This involves men testifying about what happened. You trying to give a testimony about what happened, but you were asleep. The Bible says, the Bible says they was asleep. (laughs) So should we accept this as valid testimony? Because listen now, we are defending. We are the defense. We're defending. We're defending the gospel. We are. We We stand for the defense. The prosecution is saying that Jesus didn't get up, and the prosecution's witness is saying his witnesses are testifying. Come on, that the disciples stole the body. But as a defense, we're saying, listen, y'all, y'all, you. Your your witness was asleep. So how they know what happened? Mm-hmm. Right. Their, their testimony is invalid. That's right. That's right. So either you saw them come and get them. How how they get the and then the, and then the tomb was sealed. Who broke the right. seal? That's what I'm saying. So they sealed it, they let them out, and then they sealed it back? No, it was it was left open. Afterward. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, no, I'm just saying, <coughs> but if, if, if with them, you know, they would think that this is sealed. Right. Now, what are you going to do? You got two people, you got guards standing there. How the guards ain't seeing get unsealed? That's my next point. That's, and that's my next point. How did the disciples evade the guards? Who were there to prevent his body from being stolen? That was their whole job. You had listen, you had one job. <laughs> you had one job. That one job was to guard the tomb, and you failed. Jesus. Listen, you gotta understand why this is a big deal. 
because the punishment for losing a prisoner, especially for sleeping on duty, was death. So this is why, this is why the Jews said to, this is why the Jews said to, to the soldiers, listen, if, if the governor, if this gets in the governor's ears and the governor says something, we're going to secure you. We're going to protect you. Don't worry. You're not going to get killed because we're going to defend you. Because they knew that those soldiers was going to get killed for falling asleep on duty. And you lost a prisoner. <laughs> Right. So, 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 oh, so they was asleep <coughs> when they came and took his body. They so fell they asleep. They fell asleep. But, okay, but the scripture tells us that when the angel of the Lord appeared, they all fell as dead men. So the angel right. of the Lord appeared unto them while they were sleeping. Huh? The angels put them to sleep. No. Hear what I'm saying. They were asleep, but when the angel appeared, there was brightness. There was glory. Uh -huh. There was glory there. You know what I'm saying? And so when we say that they fell as dead men, that wasn't just that they went to sleep. When that happened, they passed out, child. <laughs> so in actuality, they might have seen what was going on. Of course they did. Of course they did. Okay, let's back up and look at the scripture. Let's back up and look at the scripture. Okay. Let's look at let's look at the first part. Let's go back to Matthew. Look at Matthew 28. We're still in 28. Let's look at verse 1. And it says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it is, as it began to, to dawn toward the, the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and other Mary and the other Mary. To see the sepulcher. And behold there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven. And came and rolled back the stone from the door. And sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning. And his raiment white as snow. Here he is. In, in all the glory of God. Showing up. And for fear of him. The keepers did shake. And became as dead men. Now you know how something wakes you up out your sleep. So if they fell asleep on the job, okay, the angel appearing woke them up. But when they woke up and saw that, they fell out. <laughs> okay. And so the scripture says, and the angel answered and said unto, no, excuse me, verse four. And for fear of him, for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. For he is not here, for he is risen. And as he as he said, come and see the place where the Lord lay. Okay? <clears throat> so they lost the they lost the prisoner and could have been put to death. Okay? So if Jesus really got up, and he did, would the soldiers admit it? No, no, because you lost the soldier. I mean, you lost, you lost the prisoner. And they understood that their life would, would be at stake because he got up and got out. Yeah. Okay. So what motive 
would the disciples have for stealing his body? They were persecuted and they were tried for preaching about the resurrection. They didn't gain any power. They didn't gain any riches. They didn't gain any pleasure. Yet none of them ever denied his testimony regarding the resurrection. Why if they, why would why would you put yourself in harm's way if you knew that you was going to get killed for it? If Jesus really didn't get up and you really didn't see him. Now, it's it's one thing <clears throat> for us today to face persecution and maybe our faith fails us because we didn't see Jesus. It's still a bad thing. But these people walked with Jesus. And they faced persecution. Right? They could have escaped the persecution if they would say, okay, 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 okay. He really didn't get up. Let me tell the truth. Let me tell the truth. But they couldn't deny that he got up. Because they saw him with their own eyes. Yeah. They saw him with their own eyes. So why would they put themselves on the line for that? How would this explain the personal appearances of his body? Especially the foes and the doubters. Especially Paul, who was previously Saul. What do you say about somebody who was bent on killing the Christians, who had an encounter with Jesus on his way to kill them? And it turns out to be one of the one of the most powerful apostles who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. His whole life was rocked by Jesus. <laughs> Come, on now. Come on, Jesus. What about Thomas, who was called Doubting Thomas? Even though he was a doubter, he became a believer when Jesus said, handle me and see. Put your hand in my side. Touch my hands and see that the scars are there. What do you do with that? When you had somebody who was a doubter who became fully a believer because he saw Jesus and handled him and, and handled his wounds. So those are, we have, we have, and this is the purpose of us doing this, looking at the evidence. You got to be able to look at the good and the bad and be able to explain it because people are going to try to deny that Jesus really got up. And they're going to go through all of this. Well, the, the, the disciples stole, probably stole his body. No, no, no. Let's look at the account in scripture that already deals with that. That dumb jokers got paid for that. Mm -hmm. Come on. We got paid for lying. And let's talk about those six occurrences that we see in 1 Corinthians 15 that tell us that Jesus showed up and it's documented. Six times. Six times. Okay, so here's another one. Here's another one. And then we're going to close on this one here. The theory that Jesus did not really die, but only only swooned on the cross and then later recovered in the tomb. So he passed out on the cross. He didn't really die on the cross. He just passed out and they took him over to the tomb so that he could recover. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. So. But here's that. So that, that's a one theory. But how can this explain the testimony? The Roman soldiers who nailed him to the cross, who pierced him in the side, the centurion and the disciples. How do you how do you what about the disciples who embalmed him? 
all of them said he was yeah, dead. Okay, but not embalmed like we were embalmed. Like we would be embalmed. I know what you mean. They washed his body. Yes, they handled him. Because he was dead. Right. So, how would he just get up and they just healing? Right. Like y'all gave him medicine or something and nursed him back to life. Okay. Okay. All of these people, the centurion said he was dead. The Roman soldiers said he was dead. Okay. That's in John chapter 19. Mark chapter 15. The account is there. Okay. All right. Jesus had been scourged, which was beaten. He was crucified. He was pierced by a spear. He was three days in the tomb without food, without water, without medication. How could he revive and roll the stone away by himself? Come on. How could he get past the guards? Come on. How could he walk all the length of Palestine and still appear healthy enough, you know what I'm saying, to convince all the skeptics and his disciples that he was resurrected? So he took his beat up body that had been beaten, skin hanging from his back from being beat with a cat of nine tails. Blood dripping from everywhere. Him being pierced in his side. Him being crucified on the cross. How do you how did he walk through Palestine? Somebody explain that to me. God. Only God. Listen, that would have been a miracle just as great as the resurrection if he did all of that. <laughs> okay? Because you have to think about it, you know, all of the things that they did to him before this. Right. How, you know, then y'all turn around and then you see him and you don't see any of that. What you see are maybe stars. But his body, he's in a glorified body. Right. He's not bleeding. You can't see any stars, any blood, any beat up, anything. He's only thing he can tell you. He can show you the scars on his hand. Right. Those are the only scars. And his stab and the ears. Right. But. Like I'm saying. You can't say that he got from behind the tomb. He was in the tomb for three days. With no food. No water. He was dead when they put him in there. Yeah. That's, that's no healing there. <laughs> and, 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 and so. You know what I'm saying. So they can't deny that. They even tried to say that the disciples were having hallucinations and they were only imagining that they saw Jesus after the crucifixion. Everybody was hallucinating. Yeah, but still my question is what happened to the body? Listen, yeah, right. listen, you know, we black folks, that's the first question. Who got the body? <laughs> who, who got the body? Come on. That's the first one. First question, who got the body? So that theory would mean that the that he would still be in the tomb where his enemies could bring proof to say he's dead. You know what I'm saying? If there was a hallucination, go back to the tomb and show me the body then. 
Yeah. Come on. It's not a hallucination. What was their state of mind? Why would they why would they be hallucinating in the first place? Okay? Alright, so and then you can't you can't say that they hallucinated and, and explain the number of appearances that Jesus had. What do you do with those appearances? How could so many people have the same hallucination? The apostle. I like, mean, like, and to appear to hundreds of people. Mm -hmm. All them hundreds of people had the same hallucination at the same time? Oh, okay. They paid everybody. Listen to me. The resurrection happened. It's factual and it's historical. It's factual and it's historical. Okay? None of those theories that we looked at fit the evidence. The only reasonable verdict is that Jesus presented himself alive by many infallible proofs. And you will see that that is the words that are used in Acts chapter 1 verse 3. That Jesus appeared alive with many infallible proofs proofs he truly was raised from the dead therefore he is truly divine he is truly the son of god just like he claimed case closed on that because the witnesses do not lie the witnesses cannot lie hallelujah glory to god and so we just thank god hallelujah for the witnesses that have testified Okay, and so now we come to our, our final verdict. Okay, listen to me. And the verdict that other people reach has nothing to do with the verdict that we reach because we looked at the evidence. Okay, our eternity depends on our decision. Come on here, somebody. So in order for us to conclude honestly that God does not exist or that the Bible is not his word and that Jesus is the son of God, here's what we got to do. We have to be able to explain the existence of the universe without God to create it. Come on. And you got to find me. Give me a reasonable explanation. You're going to have to disprove the accuracy of the scripture. We already saw that the skeptics, have, the skeptics have tried to do this for centuries and they didn't do it with success. You have to disprove the unity of the scripture. We already talked about that. We, we already saw that, that they tried to do that and they've been unsuccessful about that. You'd have to explain every prophecy that has been fulfilled. We looked at the witness of the prophecies. What explanation can you possibly come up with other than that the writers were inspired by God when they said that these things were going to come to pass and then they happened. Come on here, somebody. You have to disprove the miracles, but even Jesus's enemies in the first century could not disprove the miracles. They had to agree that these were miracles. And then they would have to, we would have to disprove the resurrection. What explanation can you give? Where is the body? Listen, OJ Simpson said it right. If the glove don't fit, you must have quit. <laughs> If the glove don't fit, you must have quit. Listen, you ain't got nobody. He must have got up. He had to get up. 
And so it's left that even for people who will listen to this later, you got to decide what do you believe? What verdict will you reach? Does God really exist? Is the Bible really God's word? Is Jesus really the son of God? Did Jesus really rise from the dead? We have presented our case. We have presented our evidence and the defense rests its case. Amen. Because we have proven through the success of six witnesses that God's word is God's word. Jesus is who he says he is. The Bible is, amen, accurate and historically correct. That Jesus did get up and the miracles testify to it. The universe proves it. History proves it. Science proves it. And the witnesses prove it, that saw Jesus alive, amen, and he presented himself alive with many infallible proofs, and to God be all the glory, hallelujah, and we thank him, we bless him, we honor him, hallelujah, for the truth of his word, and now we know, glory to God, now we know, and we can prove that we know. We got proof. We know how to book this thing. So come on with your questions because we can prove it to you. Hallelujah. Amen. Did anybody have any questions or any comments or anything before we close out on tonight? Hallelujah. <coughs> Amen. Well, we're going to pray. <coughs> Excuse me. We're going to pray. Amen. And close out. We're going to thank God for the Bible study. Thank God for us gaining a biblical worldview. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God is good. Father, we just thank you tonight and we give you praise for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your proofs, for the witnesses that have spoken and have declared that the evidence proves that Jesus is the son of God, that your word is your word and there is unity in the scripture. Hallelujah. That Jesus rose from the dead and our salvation is secure because of it. And so we just ask you, God, that you would help us to just study and continue to study and marinate on this and let this worldview, Lord, let it be, oh God, let it affect every decision we make, every place that we go, everything that we do, how we govern ourselves so that you alone will get all glory, that you alone will get all honor and praise in the name of Jesus. And Father, we bless you for it. We thank you. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. We thank God for Bible study. Amen. We will gather again next week by God's grace at 730 for prayer. Hallelujah. In Jesus name. Hallelujah. Amen. Anybody didn't have y'all good? Y'all Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.